Come on, Pelican. Fly, fly, Pelican. Come on, Pelican. Movie Court. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Movie Court. Today, we'll be hearing a case against Brian De Palma's 1983 gangster epic, Scarface. Now, this is actually a bit of a bonus episode that we thought you guys would enjoy, since this was actually the first episode of Movie Court we ever recorded. So the audio is a little bit rough. We are still figuring out the formatting a little bit. And I didn't actually record an intro for this episode, so we're going to move right into the argument itself, and we're going to start with Steve's opening remarks against 1983's Scarface. Well, it, it is one of those movies that you, when you watch as, as a young man, as I did, I thought it was amazing because it was an anti-hero. And I think anti-heroes are not often, especially this time, this is the era of the Goonies and John Hughes. But it's also the end of uh, the anti- uh, Sorry. Can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> Can I finish? Sustained. Sustained. <laughs> objection. Do I sustain objection? No, I don't like <laughs> What do I do if I... And, uh, so yes, as a as a young lad, I saw it and I was like, "Oh, this guy's a badass. He's a, he doesn't take shit. He has no fear. He has no there's no not, no mountain he looks at and goes, I can't climb that.' Which is it's an interesting character, but it's also like a childish character. He's very poorly drawn. He's just doesn't give a shit. He does, he's like, I'm going to get money and I'm going to get I, I'll step over everyone. He's never worrying about the consequences, whether they're big or small. Like oh. I'm doing something immoral, or, oh, I'm going to get fucking caught if I shoot up a guy in the street. It is so cheesy it, when you look back. Some, the characters, uh, Stephen Bauer is on, is in, he's in another movie. He's in an episode of fucking Red Shoe Diaries. I don't know what he's doing. He, it's so ham-fisted and unsubtle, and it's, there's no plan there. Like, what's his plan as a bad guy? Like, what am I going to do? He just acts, and I, I find it to be boring. It's fucking three hours long, I think, as you said. Mm. You could uh, give me a, an avid in a weekend. I could cut this thing down to about 90 minutes. There's nothing going on. Okay, the prosecution rests. No, throw up. And now in defense. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll take it sort of point by point. And, and let me first <laughs> say that my relationship with this movie is fluid. Uh, to say the least, I, I think um, backpedaling already. I love <laughs> no, I, this is why this one this one was a fun one to take on because I will defend this movie because as it happens, I'm going through a period in my life when I am a, I am I wouldn't say a fan of it because if I were to pick a De Palma movie, this would be about the tenth De Palma movie that I would pick. I would watch nine other De Palma movies before I would watch this one. I do think it's if the I don't think this is the right word, but if I had to pick a word, I, I do think this is an overrated. Um, movie in general and, and, and as far as De Palma I don't think it's an overrated De Palma movie because there's no other De Palma movie like this mm. the only really kind of gritty uh, dirty I mean I actually think these opening scenes are quite well done from a uh, I guess an annoyingly if I were to say a cinema verite kind of way um, I feel the dirt and sweat and and uh, peril uh, in, in the circumstances of these first scenes when they're I guess they're what they're kind of They've already gotten over, and they're kind of in a detention center. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's assassinating this guy. You know, these scenes I find infinitely more interesting than than any of the gangster stuff that happens in this movie. Um, well, it starts as a political movie, as as it is, and then it just becomes 
a atypical. You said subgenre, but it is a genre. It, it's a gangster movie. It is uh, a person does immoral acts and gains. Well, there's a lot that they added into it, and it's probably a, 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 a simultaneously overcooked and undercooked script. I mean, it, I bet the script was probably 200 pages long. It's it's. What Oliver Stone overwriting? <laughs> right, oh and, and it's and it's you know I think De Palma did sort of just I think to his credit just sort of filmed the script, and and I, I like that it's um, a, a kind of a clusterfuck of a movie. I like I like that more that it's sort of a clusterfuck of a movie. I did learn about this this all this political stuff from this. Mm-hmm. I was inspired to learn about it from this movie. Um, I find it even to this day the, the more the interesting stuff. All the gangster machinations that happen in this movie are are not all that interesting, and even the violence and the action sequences that didn't happen in it, I wouldn't rank above the best. I, I wouldn't put any scene in this, even the chainsaw scene, even the the finale that I think is overrated. I wouldn't put any of the action scenes in this or the gangster bloodletting. Uh, it would be around twenty if I were to list all the great gangster blood scenes in in the history of cinema. I wouldn't go get the Scarface, and that's like, and, and I would also rank De Palma's a lot more of De Palma's movies and his sort of violent and action sequences ahead of this movie. But also, I mean, you use the term "it's a gangster movie," and Steve, you said that, but then you also criticize it for being overblown and ridiculous. And I, I have, I'm a huge De Palma fan, so. I feel like, yeah, he knows that. This is a ridiculously... It's a day-glow movie. It's a ridiculous-looking movie. It is enormous. It is garish. And it doesn't make any apologies for that. It is ex- it's a, it's exactly what he set out to do, which was just make this sprawling, widescreen epic. Have you heard him talk epic. about this movie? Yeah. And does he say that? Because... Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's one of the reasons he... Sort of stylized than a lot of his, his over-the-top movies, right? It's less stylized? Well, yeah, it's a different... You know what it is? It's just... Garish. This right. is like an incredibly garish movie. And he talked about how, because he came and went from this project, and he came back to it when they moved the setting to Miami in this the setting, which, you know, obviously sets the table because for the he entire look of it. Did. Yeah, he was like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to have fun. And I mean, there's that great. It's a sequence. comedy. Yeah, it, it really is a, yeah. a comedy. And, and, that great sequence where there's the uh, all that machine gunfire in the middle of a club in the middle of the movie, mm-hmm. right? You remember that where it's just mirrors getting shattered right, and like right. there's this ridiculous disco music playing and like it is big and loud and garish and I feel like he just leaned into that. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna. He had never gotten a chance to work on this scale and was like, this could be fun. Like it is a gangster movie. It is like, and I kind of like the mashup between Stone and De Palma. Which was mm-hmm. Stone was probably trying something, you know, for lack of a better term, high-minded, or or wanted to throw a lot. Like I think it was probably Stone that saw the original Scarface, which has some kind of darker themes in it, and is also about immig- the immigrant experience. Yeah, and was like, oh wait, we could do this with this recent you know, Cuba stuff that's going on. Good for him. I think it's a very interesting concept to to, to reappropriate that material. And then De Palma was probably like, "Yeah, I'll film that. Like, yeah. you, give me like, give me this script. There's some interesting stuff going on there." He said in Miami and film it. And I like the mishmash there. And I think that leads to both some interesting stuff going on. And I mean, it can't sort of be Look at overstated how him. bad Pacino is in this movie. Say that it, again. Pacino's awful in this movie, right? Am I wrong? 
Is he? No, I think he's movie? matching the stylized. He's mat. He's. He's matching De Palma's stylization. This is right. a big, broad movie right, that demands a big, broad performance. Yeah, I maybe. Yeah, argue. Well, I mean, he's, yeah. He's, De Palma, and I am not a fan, is a ridiculousness, ridicu- ridiculousist. And I think um, Pacino, like you said, is r- raising his acting level to the right. ridiculousness of the movie. Which is sort right. of why it works. I, I, I was going to say that what you just said, though. If he had played it as a real character, if John Cassavetes had played this role and, un, and, and well, yeah, the found the stem of the character and they, they improvised, you know, if. Uh, well, I think it's like, it's a much cares? bigger scene. Do you like, want to watch that movie? I, I mean. Yes, I do not <laughs> want to watch this movie. It's all, it's all lapel acting. There's more lapel acting in this fucking movie than any. You know what? It's, it's like great lapel. It's great lapel acting. It's. I like, think the thing about like Bowers over the top, and he actually is honest. Like I think, like if oh, you think of so great over the top performances, that like not that are kind of aren't discussed as over the top. I would say actually Marlon Brando in The Godfather is an over the top performance in a weird way that's very good. Daniel Day Lewis in Gangs of New York and and the, the P T Anderson one and. De Niro in Cape Fear is, I think, the greatest over-the-top performance because it's honest. Pacino, I just can't get past whatever the hell he thinks he's doing with that <laughs> accent. Right. I don't know what, you know. So, but I agree with you. I think it's, I, it's, it's, but it is a cartoon. It's a cartoon, and, it, and, and it, yeah. And I'm with you though that like I've kind of come full circle on this movie where mm-hmm. I assumed I loved it when I was growing up because everybody told me, oh, this is one of the greatest gangster movies, and it was three hours. So you're like, oh man, three hour movies equal awesome. Yeah, it's and then. And then as I came to love De Palma, I realized I would take Carlito's way any day of the week. It was kind of like Raging Bull, right? Like yeah. Raging Bull is is you're introduced to it while you're watching all those movies, and it kind of fits into that whole genre of great seventies and early eighties movies. Yeah. And then, but upon revisiting, it's like actually, you know, yeah, I would rather watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, because of the reasons you said, Steve, like the humanity in Carlito's way is much more interesting to me, and, and you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get the De Palma flair that I love so much, but then you actually get characters you can invest in and give a shit about, and it's, you know, well, it's also 35 a, minutes long, shorter. Well, who do so you care like, about, like, who, who, do you care about Tony Montana in no, this movie? No, he's But a, I don't think He's it, a monster, but I, yes, a gangster, like, either has to be redeemed or has to be destroyed. That is the sort of the tenets of the genre. And in this one, he's destroyed, which is fine. That's what happens to Paul Mooney's character. I think he goes to jail right. in the first Scarface. I've, I've forgotten already. Um, but I, I just, I don't understand. Well, to what, finish my thought, though, like... I, I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I was going to say I've come full circle in terms of I went years without, I don't ever need to see Scarface again. But recently I caught part of it and I was like, oh, this is a cartoon. It's a three-hour cartoon. So I don't... I just that enjoy it for its its brashness and its colors and its music. And it's it's a big, brash movie that... Oh, then Michelle Pfeiffer shows up. It's yeah. like, who... All right, fuck... fuck well, no, uh, you don't give a shit. Like, fuck Robert Loggia and fuck everybody. Like, no, there's not a likable... There's not a guy taken out of his element and then torn into... Are ripped into the gangster lifestyle. He is a gangster. He murders that guy in the prison in the first scene. He but I have him. to say, I don't think De Palma ever attempts in this movie to even fake yeah. caring about those people. You'll see a movie like that. There's you know plenty of gangster movies in the history of, of movies. I care. And there's about like times in this character in Gangs of New York, even though I don't like the movie. He was. But that movie's doing something guy. different. 
That movie's yes, doing something. Because it tells a story. Right, right. This is a cartoon for boys to jack off to. And, and, right. And, uh, and, uh, I would, uh, and I would say, as the defender of this movie in this particular instance, that's as legitimate a reason to make a movie yeah. as as telling a story about someone that you quote unquote care about. Make some porn it's, then. Why, well, why, why waste? I would hours? also argue that that's a legitimate reason to make a movie. There, oh, hey, the, spe- the drug deal goes bad. <laughs> I have a fucking chainsaw in a like. What an eleven-year-old write this? Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's a coked up. Uh, well, there, there's a, there's right. a genre would you, thing. Would you take this movie away from your t- 12-year-old self that really got a charge out of it? Like Yes, and I would show him uh, uh, Terrence <laughs> Malick movies <laughs> and say, Smarten up, dumbass. This is fucking poop. Why would you fucking bring a chainsaw to a drug deal? Well, it's just, it's Oliver Stone going, oh, you know, be really cool. Or, or he read it somewhere. It's not, it's not based in any reality that exists, but it's not over... Well, he has said enough. that there were actually chainsaw incidents, that every incident in this yeah, is actually I, based on you, shit that went down. I don't mind. You could say that about any movie that you've seen with a gangster shit going on. No, and, and what is fascinating about this is that I was actually recently talking to somebody who grew up in Miami in the 1980s, and, and it was fascinating, especially in retrospect, because when you're growing up in it, you don't really realize... How strange it is! Just like oh, that's what goes on in Miami. But there, Miami in the 1980s was the Wild West. Like there yes, was watch crazy cocaine shit cowboys. It's an amazing yeah. documentary. You oh, don't... it's Stephen Bauer. He likes the ladies. <laughs> He's so bad. That scene, like late in the movie, they just stop and they're just looking at women. And he's like, you know how you get the women? And he flicks his tongue out like a lizard. And he goes, what was that? And then it's like so boring, and it's yeah. these chicks with bad eighties hair. Well, that's because like, in the eight, they, they had not they had not figured out in the seventies eighties yet how to how to talk about casual sex. They were still like it was still novel to like you know oh. talk about that stuff in a movie. So, so the guys kind of talked like this, you know, like when they brought up a girl, like well, yeah. I'm going to talk about sex now. Man. It's what do you so think? Boring dress. Yeah, yeah, man. The, oh, here she is. Here's Spike, my first. Well, my, my third uh, cinematic crush. Oh, uh, let's. After Barbara Harris for some bizarre reason. Track into Al Pacino and his lapels. Oh, she's so beautiful. <laughs> First, you get the money. Then, you get the power. Then, you get the women. This movie is so fucking anti woman. The whole oh, way yeah. through. It is so. Like, I, I cannot believe. It's worse than Basic Instinct. It just hates. Yeah, it is like an Esther House movie. Yeah. I I will agree with I will agree with you in that this is an incredibly anti. There's only two women. Well, okay, if you count his mother, there's only really three. Let's say two women in this movie, right? Michelle Pfeiffer, who's mm-hmm. a cunt. Yes, who's a crack at addict or a, just a coke whore, right? Yeah, and again, this scene I totally see where Tarantino grabbed uh, Uma Thurman and John Travolta. And right, look at it, yeah, you have the white walls. Like, so you know. fascinating and interesting, and I care about her, and she's a backstory, and I was on a TV right. pilot, and it didn't work, and he, I want to fuck her, but I can't, so I'm going to go home, and I'm going to beat off. Right. This is just Al Pacino's droopy fucking eyes looking at a <laughs> stick-thin bitch walk around a crappy Well, set. what's interesting is, like, you're, you're talking about, like, <laughs> Oliver Stone's kind of worst tendencies, Brian De Palma's, he has good worst tendencies. Yes, De Palma but, but has never been. Al Pacino's a, worst tendencies. These are all. And you're saying they all mix. And, I, and I actually wouldn't disagree worse. with you. I wouldn't disagree ah, with you. Ah, so you beat, you beat me down, and then you agree with me. I like that. You beat me up after you. Well, as I stated at the me. beginning of the trial, <laughs> I, I I have a very fluid relationship with this movie, and uh, but but what I'm saying is I agree with you that those those that some of their worst traits and and, and again this is the. What did I say? The 
twelfth De Palma movie that I would watch if I had a list of the, the movies. Does he have more than twelve movies? He's got exactly fourteen movies. Oh. Um, fourteen too many. He's probably got like twenty movies, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Come on, Pelican. So it. I, I get that everyone's kind of some of their worst traits are on display here, but I don't mind that that happened in the history of cinema. I don't mind that this this. I don't expect. I mean, you may be like it's incredibly. I'm more surprised when an amazing movie is made. When a, I guess could we call is would this Ryan be a definite, is this a masterpiece or or could this be a masterpiece? Um, it could be. I would be. I, I think it qualifies. It could be nominated for masterpiece. Yeah. Robert Loggia is hilarious to look at. Robert Loggia. <laughs> oh, oh, rest in peace, by the way, Mr. Loggia. Oh, oh yes. left us too soon. Oh, I love how all the gangsters... Oh, left us all, right around the right time. They all hang yeah. out together we in were the same ready. club so they can, you know, assassinate each other. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's right up there with The Departed in, like, no, none of these bad guys know what the fuck they're doing. Well, it's I wouldn't just, disagree with you. It's just a lot of macho talking. Like, no, how does the, how does the drug trade work? Uh, well, these guys... Well, I would know. say, yeah, I mean, I would agree with you that, yeah, I, I, I've actually never thought about the logic in this movie. Right, right. I don't care. I There are movies that do the logic really well, and I really appreciate that. For the, you know, not, well, and it and might it's have dumb been, and it's stupid, like you were saying. I can see it also being a battle between Stone and De Palma, where Stone's like, don't you want to get into the machinations of the drug world? And, and De Palma being like, I don't no, care I don't shit. Shoot up these glasses. really wide yeah. blue lapels. Yeah. Yes. And mirrors. I, well, and it is a movie that appeals to, like, base... The baser side of people, like a lot of stupid fucking people, like Scarface, right. just because of the reasons we're all talking about. Start no, wait, we got to talk about this scene. This is the uh, you got to stick your tongue out like a fucking lizard, and he's insinuating that you got to lick, you got to lick a pussy, and that's how you get the women. This is setting up that Al Pacino is the likable one because he doesn't walk up to uh, blonde beach idiots and stick his tongue at them but it, right. it is like the most out of place yeah it is a weird thing because like in this scene like suddenly Al Pacino is like the level headed one and <laughs> right. in the rest of the movie yeah. he's, he's complete only just shit crazy he's only seen his friend's head opened with a, with a, with a <laughs> it's uh, like Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy hanging out and yeah. Jeffrey's like come on man yeah, Pacino, now you're, it's yeah. a bit much yeah <laughs> oh look at my friend here he's gonna get uh, this woman lets Al Pacino murderer Talk mm-hmm. to her. Talk to her children as uh, Stephen Bauer tries to hit on some chicks. I, like this is. This no, I was thinking the, like as I was watching the, the you know, the, it should be said also that this movie, nineteen eighty three, when this finally came out, they probably started making it lesbian. You know, that's what he calls it. it lesbian. Lesbian. The worst fucking accent. <laughs> yeah. Lesbian. This movie could be considered one of those movies that came at the end of the great Hollywood. Era of, of the of the late sixties into the seventies and early eighties, and all those directors, many of them, Spielberg, Scorsese, uh, Cimino, they all had their movie that they made at the end of the seventies that kind of broke up Hollywood. Right? They all had this great run in the early and mid seventies. Everyone knows the whole story. <clears throat> and then, nineteen forty one, New York, New York, Apocalypse Now, Heaven's Gate. All these movies, so these directors that made these great movies sort of went off and made these epics that kind of didn't work, they, they got overblown and, and it kind of broke Hollywood, it made Hollywood re-examine itself. I would say that this is De Palma's, a little bit De Palma's Apocalypse Now, right. where he was able to make his three-hour epic and put all this stuff into it and it doesn't quite always work and it's a little bit of a mess and I would agree that he... I don't think his hand is as steady as even I've given him credit for oh, sometimes yeah, no, thinking that right. he's... 
that he's on top of it. He's making fun of all. No, this. and I, mean, I actually you know, don't think it's the best showcase for his most uh, the things that I love about him most, right. which was suspense and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you know composition and building scenes. Like this is. This is not like a quintessentially De Palma-esque movie. It's not the things that I love De Palma for. And it's also, if, you, if you're going to make fun of garishness and dumb douchebags and gangsterism and materialism and, and the wrong way to go about um, uh, you know, um, assimilating into America, <laughs> I feel like you could make... This movie's redundant in that. At the end, it becomes this fucking morality tale. And it's like... Uh, I didn't want to kill this guy for some reason they hooked me up with uh, a bomb maker in New York but I don't kill kids because I'm a good gangster right, except for right. when I, like, even I as a young man people. even as a, when, when I was young those bits stuck out to me were like oh all of a sudden he's now well yeah he's benevolent a, he's a or something? A heart of gold yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then the, the Bolivians send 400,000 people to kill him like it's the most ridiculous shootout scene. It's got the most overused, ridiculous line in the history of film. Mm-hmm. I can't even say it. Uh, it, it just it, it defies like all of a sudden it's well we have to it, in the '30s during the Hayes Code, antiheroes like Paul Mooney's character in Scarface had to pay for their crimes. They could not. And then the '60s came along and they were like, bad guys can get away with it. And mm-hmm. the 70s, it was ambiguous, and maybe the hero died. This was back to Al Pacino, a.k.a. Tony Montana, must pay for his crimes. Like, mm-hmm. who fucking cares at that point? Yeah. Uh, it's the ending that always bugs me. Like, he yeah. should have shot his way out of that. Been He's destroyed because he killed his friend and his sister. And he's it, what is a worse punishment is that he's alive and... He's got right. to go back to being a fucking busboy. I would it's agree. It's like the ending yeah. of, of Goodfellas. It's like, he didn't kill Henry Hill. He's fucking destroyed because he's in Arizona and it's boring and the prosciutto is terrible. It's amazing. I mean, the, the end of Goodfellas, that, that's a tightly... That, the, yeah. And the end of Goodfellas makes an amazingly this is a, great like, tight point. But I, I don't I, think De Palma ever knew what point he wanted to make. No, and I would agree. I would agree that when he dies at the end of this movie, I feel absolutely nothing... Uh, it's it's weird in the same week that I also watched Dog Day Afternoon and I see the power mm-hmm. that Al Pacino possessed. That, yes. That, he, that yeah. he has an instrument that when he uses, it is like fucking yo-yo. But really this it's is like, like listening to a well, concert pianist play. Scarface Chopin. is really the story of And this, this is him playing Freebird at, no, a, and you at, know. A fucking, <laughs> at a biker bar in Bakersfield. It is not classical music. <laughs> and here's That's the other thing. Tight. Here's and the other thing. Write that though. one down that sucks is that like Tony is simultaneously a complete moron and we're also supposed to believe he's like uber criminal intelligent yeah Yeah. at the same time and I always had an issue with that like one moment he's the laughing stock of those around him and then the next minute he's like oh this guy really is knows his business and I I was like which is it is he an idiot or is he uh, in the Godfather the the, the Marlon Brando character he he is a smart gangster. He is yeah. a smart. He is good. He doesn't want to get into heroin. There are two he people from Breaking Bad in this. He he's this. in Breaking Bad too. Is he? Yeah. Uh, he's uh, the guy that rings the bell. Oh yeah, he's the ding, ding. Oh, the best right. job in Hollywood. What do I do for twelve weeks? Mm-hmm. Ring a bell and then he's in a chair. Awesome. It, that's funny. I never. Yeah. It it it, uh, it is the uh, it is the eighties in one movie. It is bad fucking lapels. It is horrible. It's also Current the end of the hair. 70s in one movie. It's the end of the 70s. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't 
tell a cohesive story. Like you just said, Tony is an idiot, and he's then sometimes smart. He's macho. Then he's a compassionate non-murderer of children. It, it's like all over the place. It, it is cartoonish in its storytelling and its scene work. Uh, just the scene with the mom and that fucking soap opera move <laughs> blocks, blocks the door. No! <laughs> I mean, I, I was like laughing when I saw that the other night. Like, mm-hmm. am I supposed to care about these people? It, 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 and you know what? I think they're remaking it. Yeah, I think I are. read that. Yeah. I hope they do. Because this fucking movie stinks. What's the new angle on the remake? It's, I don't know. There's Sean Ryan it. and there's a bald guy and he, I don't know. No, yeah. I have no idea. I just read it today and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Is Sean Ryan doing t- No, I he's think- not. Is he not? As a TV show? No, no, no. no. As, as, a, as, a, as a remake. You know, as a... I mean... That's but fine. I don't mind that it's being remade. No, I mean, it is a remake, now, so you can. It is a remake. this movie yeah. now in a border town in Texas with mm-hmm. the many, you know, the, the, the Mexican gangs and what's going on now. I mean, it's, there's a perfect sort of environment for it, but it, it will not have this ridiculous cartoonish... Well, don't you think there was a perfect environment for it when it Absolutely, well? and... Watch Cocaine Cowboys. It's fucking really, really good. So it's, you wish this movie was Cocaine Cowboys? No, I wish this movie figured knew what it was. Was it? Was it? Is it The Godfather set in the eighties? Is it a? Is it a remake of a movie? Right. When, when De Palma has talked about this movie, how much do you buy? Uh, how much is he in control of 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 this movie? Do you think? I mean, from a conceptual and execution standpoint. It's like, always hard to tell with De Palma because every interview he seems like, every movie he was dragged kicking and screaming into making and didn't want to make. <laughs> right. He clearly like, did not want to make this. Yeah, I mean, he he doesn't like to talk about the movies he makes. I, I In terms of control, I think he had complete control. This is the this is the movie he wanted to tell, for sure. I, yeah. Like, well, I mean, then, then that's a good point, too. Like, not every... Like, Maybe it is, and maybe it's just kind of his least interesting movie. Yeah. And that's fine. Well, because, again, I don't think it necessarily speaks to his greatest strengths. I think, again, De Palma is most at home in the world of blowout and suspense thrillers, and this isn't necessarily his most comfortable place. Having said that, I still... It's still an amazing movie to look at, visual, like, just... This is clearly the work of a, of a talented filmmaker, whether or not it's his... I think he was just sort of filming something gross, though. Yeah. Right. He was filming gross people, yeah. like gross soulless people, with gross doing gross things. Whereas Untouchables or Carlito's Way, like think of his big Hollywood movies that work incredibly well. Right. Untouchables. Yes. Carlito's Way. Um, you know, uh, parts of Mission Impossible, but not really. Oh God. There's some great, some great Mission Impossible. Yeah. Um, uh, Carrie, I guess, would be a, a, a great Hollywood, yeah. Hollywood movie that, Hot he, mess. That, he, that he was able to do his. Carrie his is thing. a brilliant movie. I, I, I would no say, like his Hollywood movies, like because Blowout, you wouldn't really consider a Hollywood movie. That's like a niche movie. That yes, I would say Untouchables, Carlito's Way, and Carrie yeah. are tight movies where he. I feel like he was able to do his thing. Yeah. Film and they're crowd pleasers. They're crowd pleasing, but they're also like a cineast play pleasers. And they're a Friday night at the movies. I, I will say this about Scarface. Like, I don't think I've ever watched this in one sitting. Has anyone ever watched this movie in one sitting? Can you ever? No. S- like, whereas The Godfather, you, that three hours goes by like that. It's gripping. Like, yeah, he knows. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. There's a much. With um, 
It's a much steadier hand at play in terms of telling an epic story. Has De Palma ever tried to tell another three-hour movie? I don't think so. Yeah. No. He, he, he in some ways, and this kind of looks like it's built for this. He's not built for this kind of movie. No. And I'm glad he tried it. And yeah. that's why I'm not mad at this movie. That's why everything you say, Kruger, is not unru- unright. Unwrong? No. <laughs> okay. It's really right. Everything is, so, is right, but I don't mind that it exists. I'm not mad that the mistakes that were made were made. They're interesting mistakes. There's a great example of interesting mistakes. I would actually would say this is a masterpiece. I have to admit, I, I have a favorite scene. And it is later in the movie, Al Pacino is living with Michelle Pfeiffer, the Ice Queen. <laughs> She's doing copious amounts of coke. Her womb is polluted. And he's sitting in a sunken bubble bath, which makes no sense. Yeah, like, yeah which is how, amazing. How do you get the bubbles in there? And how do you clean? Like, it, it's just a set, yeah. which someone said, drop them into the ground. So he's basically in the ground. Stephen Bauer is watching them get ready for the night out, which makes no sense. Like, why would I be in the house with them? Well, it's like a bathroom that's like an entire level of one building. (laughs) And he's watching a giant TV because he's, you know, he's a gangster. And she's complaining about him not fucking her anymore. And Stephen Bauer is going, when is Breaking Bad going to happen so I can be in a good thing? And he's watching Pelicans on the TV and just out of nowhere and I'm sure it's improvised Al Pacino goes come on Pelican fly fly Pelican it's kind of brilliant well it's interesting bring up that scene it has a lot of elements first of all Pacino going off on some stupid actor tangent the bathroom being one full story the sunken (laughs) hot tub that this movie is full of ideas that probably should have just stayed in the writer's room. <laughs> yeah, it's full of ideas that are like, oh, it, and then like the points being made in this movie aren't that interesting. They aren't is that interesting past, well, the, of, Beyond of, like, excessiveness like, and excessiveness yeah. and like, it's a, it's a, and even as a joke, even if De Palma's looking above like making fun of them, it's, it's kind of not a point that needs to be well, made. Well, it's at the, it's at the very least just redundant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like yes. it makes right. the same point over and over right. and over and, are you By the way, this is why Pfeiffer's awesome. And she was, she was, but she was my, I think my third crush. The love story between these Sarandon. two fucktards is no. There's no. There's no. Is it even a love in, story? No. no these are two he, awful, wretched people. He picks her up in a people. horrible car, and then she's like, "You've got to be kidding me!" And then he pretends to buy a Porsche. Then they do a bunch of blow. He puts her hat on at one point. Remember, he and puts her she hat laughs on. At totally out of character. Like, yeah, that makes sense in any way. Yeah, no, no. it's improv. It, it and that is the question. Like, I would like to ask him. I was like, "Did you want us to be invested in this love story or not?" Because I, I do find it interesting. Like, like they're having a conversation poolside where he's like telling her he's gonna love her forever. And well, that's whatnot. a great question though because like, I think on both ends, it? it's interesting with this movie. On both ends, some people bring this movie up as a great gangster. American story, like you know, epic and great, and other people bring it up as a great satire. And I want to know on both, like I, I think it fails as a great American gangster film, and 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 as a great like, really anything more than just uh, an oddity of great talented people doing a mess of a movie. I think- and I also don't know if I'm giving it too much credit as a satire. It was De Palma. Did he have that? No. Steady of a hand as a satire no. that he was saying that he was kind of making fun of it all. No, I think he's laughing at them the whole time, but I don't know that it's to any great purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think he's 
I don't think there's any great satire at work in this. I think he just finds these people ridiculous and wants to uh, wanted to operate on this enormous canvas and gangster uh, language and gangster visuals and like I think that's as far along as he <coughs> thought it. You know, I think he looked at it as like, oh, this is big. I'm gonna have some fun and I'm gonna laugh at these people. But I don't know that he had any any great insights into anything that's going on. I mean, if you imagine if it's 1981, you know, when this script was you know, circulating, this is, you know, after Godfather, and you're like, and this thing, oh yeah, they're going to redo Scarface, but they're going to use the whole Cuban, like, that had to be an exciting idea for actors yeah. and directors to get behind and try to do, and make, oh, like, this will be my God, I mean, I, I can imagine De Palma saying, this will be my Godfather. Right. I'll do it my own way, with my own style, but this will be my big epic gangster story and how gangster and Americanism kind of meld and marry and, you know, and, 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 and it succeeds in, 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 in many ways in that. Okay. So, uh, it is time for closing arguments. Uh, we will go with the prosecution first, your closing arguments, uh, for why Scarface belongs in movie jail. Go now. Watch the ending. Do you care at all that any of this transpired and that it took three hours of your life? I know it has neon excitement. It has uh, plastic-looking <laughs> no. characters. It has really no twists that you couldn't see coming. Uh, it has the one of the flattest arcs of any character. A guy stabbing someone. <laughs> flattest arc. It's got a flat arc. <laughs> you got a flat arc. It's pretty much, if you graph it, it's a straight line. Just It's it's up there with the shining of uh, he's crazy and he's crazy. <laughs> the end. So uh, get past your nostalgia. Get past the, the fact that you quoted it in junior high school to all your friends. Say hello to my little friend. And uh, your womb is polluted and all the... All the bad, trashy lines. It should have been either worse or better. It's not a good, bad movie, and it's not a good, good movie. It just kind of fucking stinks. <laughs> well put. All right, and the defense's closing arguments. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, <laughs> my client is not perfect. Uh, I am on record as saying uh, I have a very fluid relationship with this movie. But I'm glad it exists. This is not my favorite De Palma movie. I have argued that it has been overrated. But I am currently in a state of enjoying this movie for the very mess that it is. I submit this movie to you as a masterpiece where some of the best and worst traits of... I'm drunk. Some of the best and worst traits of De Palma, Oliver Stone, Al Pacino... And late 70s, early 80s filmmaking is in effect. I'm glad that that is um, immortalized in a three-hour epic movie that makes no sense. <laughs> um, Look at the Pelicans. I wouldn't change any. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't change anything about it. Um, and I would say that from the from a guilty not guilty standpoint, I would give this to Kruger. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say if it's time for my verdict, yeah. since the defense. Just claim this movie is overrated. They probably did not, should not have hired me. <laughs> you are yeah, truly a public defender. Your your client is is berating you right now. Tony Montana is beating you. You bury the report with Michelle Fiber's hat at this point. <laughs> um, uh, I I have to come down on the side of uh, Steve Kruger again. And um, 
in terms of this this particular film. I personally, for me, the 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 important term is cartoon. But at three hours, that's a really long cartoon, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm falling down on Steve's side. So the verdict is Steve wins, and the sentence is. Re-editing. <laughs> Cut it down to 80 minutes. I don't think re-edit saves this movie, though. Bring John Cazale back from the dead and have him play the Stephen Bauer role. And instead of Maria, Mary, Master, and Tony, I'd have uh, Chris Walken in drag. <laughs> I would... I would cut it in half and make it even more satirical. Yes, I agree with you there. I would cut this movie... Maybe even an hour. No, it's even... Richard Belzer! I forgot he's in it. Right. Here's what I would do. The easy, simple, just no editing. It's still going to be three hours. But what Richard Linklater did with that movie where he just animated it. Mm. Wait, so you Waking Life? Waking Life. Oh, that actually would be an make interesting point. Like, make it the cartoon that yeah. it is. Right. Yeah. And I would love it. That's actually, that actually, I'll, I'm going to go with make that. Make it, actually make it a real cartoon. Okay, so the sentence for this movie is that someone needs to animate it into a 45 minute long version. Yes, get on it, nerds. Yeah. Movie Core. Movie Core. Movie Core.